Greetings and welcome, welcome to another terrific and simultaneously educational time with us at Impala's podcast series, 20 Minutes With. I am your host, Juliana Corantin, and today my conversation is with Ben Winter, the British music and media executive who has been speaking loudly, lucidly, and resolutely about diversity in the music industry workplace. Ben's 20 years experience in the sector includes roles in A&R and project management. He's also the entrepreneurship and outreach manager at AIM, a new role created in December 2020 at the UK Independent Music Trade Organization. His appointment was part of a double announcement made by AIM, the other being the promotion of G. Davy, AIM's first ever COO. G was on this show a few weeks back discussing developments in live streaming for the industry. Today, it is Ben that we've got. He joins us to talk about his task at AIM, which includes promoting diversity in the sector. Hey, Ben, welcome to Impala's 20 Minutes With. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. We're doing great here. It's lovely to have you here with us too. Ben, could you tell us a bit about how you got started in the music industry? I've been doing some reading about you and it seems that you have always felt connected to music and you had some influential role models who helped shape your career. I came from a background where I didn't know anybody in music. I always had a connection with music. I've always had a connection with music and media and the arts. You know, I was a a child actor from the age of six. Oh, I was um, anything famous. Oh, we don't we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> that's that's the chapter of my life. I'm like, if you can find it, good luck. But um, yeah, I was a trained actor from six. And my older brother always used to play music in our bedroom and an uncle that was quite young, but, you know, a lot older than me, but was quite young and was really into music. So between the two of them, there'd always be music around me, you know, soul to soul, loose ends. And my brother had a really eclectic taste. So he'd be listening to 80s rock and Luther Vandross and Freddie Jackson. And then he'd be listening to, I don't know, Madonna or, you know, <laughs> Bee Gees, something like that. So I really kind of subconsciously was taking in amazing melodies, understanding hit records without knowing what hit record was and just getting into music. And I remember on my my ninth birthday the only present I wanted where most kids are like I want a car I want this toy the only thing I wanted was Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cool album and (laughs) and that was my first ever vinyl so that's what I received for my birthday and um I remember seeing a gentleman in a music video and I must have been about 12 or 13 and I remember looking at this guy and going man that guy's so cool whatever he does that's the job I want to do and little, <laughs> little did I know that that person was a very very young Sean Puff Daddy that's kind of why I wanted to get into music and then I started I didn't have a route in because I didn't know anybody in music I didn't have any family I didn't have any friends or family friends that worked in music and my mum didn't really understand or want me to go into music. She was like, mm, you could be a lawyer. <laughs> I'm like, nah, music's my path. You know, I remember going into the interview and saying, look, 
I'm going to be a very, very successful music business entrepreneur. So you either take me on this course and you're able to shout about me in the future, or you don't take me on this course. And when I'm successful, I'm going to remind everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, they took me. And, and, um, you know, I was no rapper, but I, I was very much focused about the business and getting into my career and, so when I was 16, I was like, I want to work in that building by the time I'm 21. By the time I was 18, I was working in Sony on the street team as Semtex's assistant. So, so Tenacity is your middle name. Share with us some of the challenges that you came across during your career. And do you see things changing in the industry? It's been quite a challenging path in this music industry, but I'm very ambitious um and i believe that i can change the world and i can do amazing things and so because of that sometimes i think maybe in this industry in the uk as a young black male people are like well why 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 do why does he think he can do that which has been problematic as a young black male has been hard i've been pigeonholed into oh he must he must just do rap and it's like well actually I've managed rock bands, I've A&R'd folk albums, I've A&R'd jazz albums, I know hip-hop very, very well, I know R&B very, very well, but anybody that knows me will be like, Ben's a pop kid. So for me, I don't necessarily fit into the stereotype of the black male that grew up in hip-hop culture, coming from the inner city. Because of that, it's been difficult. When you kind of look around this industry, a lot of the people that I started with dropped out because they didn't really see anybody that looked like them in, in significant positions. And then the people that were being successful, they disappeared. So if you look at someone like Mickey D, for example, who was an AR at Warner East West, I think at the time, who was doing amazing work, having amazing success with the likes of, you know, Mark Morrison and Cleopatra and all these kind of pop R&B artists that were charting inside the top five consistently. I don't know the ins and outs of where he disappeared to, mm-hmm. but as a young male in the industry, I'm looking up to this guy going, wow, look at all he's achieving. And then he was gone. <laughs> so like, yeah. where's he gone? Whereas when I look at his non-Black um, equivalents, mm-hmm. they're all MDs now. I think I was very fortunate, you know, when I did the course at Westminster, I had Keith Harris, who's Stevie Wonder's manager, is one of my Yes, lectures. yes. Um, Keith is someone that over the past 20 years, whenever he saw me, he'd always take time out to see how I'm doing, how my career was doing. And no, just those small moments were things that would keep me going. Even if I was, you know, at the end of my tether, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. When I started at Sony, you know, there was a, a gentleman who was director of business affairs or head of business affairs called Dej Mahoney. Um, I call him Uncle Dej. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to see a black Nigerian man in that position was inspiring to me because it was like, wow, that there's someone that looks like me that is in the most important position for business affairs and he was head of Europe and it's like wow I think that's why I'm still able to be here and a lot of my peers that I started with aren't because they weren't as fortunate to to meet those people and to form relationships 
Do you see things changing? I started my career at the end of the 90s. We didn't have a UK black music scene the way that we do today, you know, with rappers and, and the grind scene and drill scene and all that stuff. Like, that wasn't there. There's only room for one. We didn't have much power then or, or as much access. You know, the streaming platforms weren't available. It wasn't as easy to get records out. It wasn't as easy to get racking in stores. So it was a much different time. Yeah, it, it was hard to get into roles and there are jobs I applied for where I know I was really well qualified. I was, you know, and then I'd have friends that might get those roles and no disrespect to them, but they'd be calling me up for my contacts or my advice. And I'm like, they didn't know that I'd applied for the role. They're just okay. as, as mates, they're like, oh, I know that Ben knows this person. I need to get to that person. I'm like, well, in my head, I'm thinking, well, I applied for that role and you're my homie and I love you, but yo. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that is that is okay. a regular thing and making even more contacts while you're doing that as well which means they'll be calling even you more often that <laughs> about the side of things but it also explains all this also explains how you've become pivotal in the creation of the power up initiative which came about as a continuation of blackout tuesday last year now tell us more about that project and what are its goals? I'd had some funding for one of my songwriters and I just felt that the more I spoke to, to people within the black music scene, they didn't really know that they could get money. <laughs> and I was like, well, we need to spread this work. There's a whole okay. the CRS Foundation are doing amazing work to reach a wide demographic of people, but there's there's layers within genres. And I felt that at the most grassroots level, people did not know that they could get grant funding. This isn't a loan, there's no tax, there's no, like this is money to help you move forward. And other people are getting this and you have the right to have it. You know, the CEO over there, Joe Franklin, he's an amazing man. Whilst I was at PRS Foundation, obviously the George Floyd thing happened and he called me up one day and, you know, I was the only black person at the foundation at the time. And he was like, we're going to post something on Blackout Tuesday in solidarity because, you know, what happened with George Floyd was tragic. And I was like, nah, I can't stand behind that. It's about George Floyd, but it's not about George Floyd. It's a lot bigger than George Floyd. We spent the best part of three hours on a Saturday morning talking about what it means to be black in Western society. And the it's not always racism, but the nuanced prejudice that, that you experience on a day to day. And I explained any time I leave my front door, I'm going to experience some form of prejudice. That's just how it is. I accept that. And every black person in the UK accepts that, you know, PRS Foundation sending me to, to different countries for various things. And I said, the first thing I do whenever you ask me to go somewhere is I, I Google, is it safe for black people? <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I can't just get on a plane and turn up somewhere. I have to know, am I safe as a black man going to that space? So I Googled that and he was shocked at a lot of the things that I had to say. And over the course of the weekend, he just kept messaging me like, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe that you go through that. I can't believe. And the team are an amazing team over there. We spoke at length on Blackout Tuesday. I spoke at length about a lot of the, the incidents that I'd been through during the course of my career. I didn't actually realize how much trauma I carried was actually quite traumatic. I didn't realize it was all there. Um, even it's now. It's such a complex, more yeah. than people realize, isn't it? 
Yeah, even now speaking to you, I'm like, oh, I can feel emotions coming up again. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally um, get it. Why can't we just do something? Why can't we do something like, you know, we do with Key Change that, where we can affect things? And I kind of took that and me and Joe took that and we just kept talking and working it out. And within two or three weeks after Blackout Tuesday, we'd, we'd put together the basis of Power Up and there's three strands to Power Up. The first strand is to support black talent in the music industry. So every year we will be providing grants up to £15,000 for 20 black music creators and 20 black music executives. And when we say executives, that's executives and majors, that's entrepreneurs, that's business affairs, that's as long as you're in the music sector, live, whatever. And as well as the funding support, they'll receive capacity building support, mentorships, masterclass etc etc the aim is to power them up so on the executive side it's to help them break through the glass ceilings move into senior management level because there's a real problem with black people securing a space within senior management within the uk music industry that is an extraordinarily well thought through agenda and just listening to you it's great to see that the sector is actually getting active in improving diversity and inclusion of people from a variety of backgrounds. How does your role as AIM come into this equation? You know, the entrepreneur and outreach role is very much about bringing in underrepresented genres and communities into the AIM membership. And there's such a, a wealth of knowledge and opportunity aim which I, I think sometimes goes under the radar especially within certain communities there's a lot of information at aim in terms of being independent how to go about setting up your record company how to go about marketing engaging this and you know engaging social media and social media tips so on and so forth there's such a, a plethora of information these communities don't necessarily know about and aren't using. So part of my role is to is to ensure that they know about it and not just black music communities, but underrepresented communities within the AIM membership, whether that's dance, whether that's jazz, whether that's classical, they are aware that we are there for them. And then that's the, the more kind of outreach side of my role. And then the, the entrepreneurial side is with regards to helping business scale up, helping them grow, helping them develop and taking them to the next level. You, Ben, seem to be emphasizing that rhetoric and gestures denouncing discrimination will never be enough. Focus and structured action is also required. Do you think your role at AIM is one that the creative industries associations in other countries should also create? And for small associations, and bear in mind in the independent sector, that there are a lot of them, for small associations that do not have the resources for a dedicated person, what advice do you have for them? You know, historically, the music industry gets very comfortable in its practices. Every time there's a change of format, there's a panic within the music industry. <laughs> you know, it happened from vinyl to CDs. It happened from CD to streaming because people get comfortable with what's happening now and they, they try to ignore the future of what's coming next. 30 years ago, they said hip hop was a fad. Now it's the most influential musical genre in the world. The industry needs to take action. They need to recognize that change is a good thing. And I think it's important that 
at every level of every trade organization of every record label of every management company that there are people from a diverse mix of genres backgrounds racial backgrounds ethnic backgrounds gender sexuality it's important that all of those people are represented all of those people have a voice and all of those people feel comfortable to speak up absolutely brilliant points so how important are initiatives like Impala's diversity and inclusion program at the European independent level? I think that they're really, really important. I think that, you know, one of the things with when when setting up Power Up and the Power Up movement, and the reason we're trying to get the 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 data is because you want to be able to lobby and make changes. And I think that when you have something like that with Impala and they're at a European level, they're able to take information, they're able to take it to that next stage and lobby for change. And once you have government, those that don't want to do change, well, sorry, you have to now because it's, it's policy and it's really important to make that happen. So I think that that's, that's key. Which brings us to now. This is European Diversity Month and coinciding with it, is Impala's move to launch a survey of the independent music sector. Never been done before. So what would you say to a company that isn't sure about participating? I would say that in 2021, if you're resistant, you're going to get left behind and you might do well in the now, but tomorrow you're going to be done. (laughs) So it's better to, to make that change now, but ultimately you're going to create a much better, fairer, inclusive working environment. And you're going to be able to access better people because if you have a diverse workforce, you're going to get the best. And you're not worried about, oh, well, can a black person do that job? Can a woman do the job? doesn't matter. Are they the best for the job? <laughs> That's all that matters. Um, so, yeah, if, if we can have a more diverse work, workplace, I think you'll find that as an industry, I think we'll end up making a whole lot more money, to be quite honest with you. So I would say that if you've got a chance to take part in this survey, do so. It's like the privilege of being able to vote. Overall, do you think enough has been achieved since Blackout Tuesday last year when, and I think I should remind everyone, the music industry openly and literally put down its tools to protest against the unnecessary killings of black African-Americans, not just George Floyd, there were others due to police brutality in particular. Do you think much has been achieved since then? I think one of the things that we really have to focus on is retention and opportunities to break through glass ceilings. I think that's super important within the music industry. I do feel that we need to take care of our own house. Our house has leaks. Our house has broken windows. Our house has floorboards that are missing and we need to fix it. (laughs) And we need to create that staircase that allows people to break through the glass ceiling, that allows us to retain amazing talent that we've been losing um, and that creates a more fair and just society. In addition to Power Up, have you seen an initiative that you find inspiring as an example that is actually making some kind of progress, a project that you would like to see develop in the future? 
I just think that anybody that is taking action and any organization that is taking action, I applaud that. I support that wholeheartedly and I get behind that and I stand behind that. I'm very much about action and not just talking. So, yeah. (laughs) On that positive note, Ben, here's some fun time with us. Five quick fire questions in five minutes. Okay. What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months? Launch of Power Up, obviously, that's number one. I'm really proud of that. I've been really impressed by the way in which artists have dealt with the pandemic. The fact that people are still releasing music, doing Zoom sessions, still shoot videos, getting creative, doing live performances online. I think the resilience of artists over the last 12 months has been incredible third thing for the last 12 months i think the fact that people are having open discussions that they were scared to have i think that's been brilliant about everything you know from from it started with race but i'm also seeing a lot more open discussions and comments about gender and i think these are really important things we have in regionality locality i think that it's yeah people are a lot more open and feel a lot freer to speak their truths and to communicate. And I think that that's really, really good. What are your priorities for the future? I really want to make sure that people understand that they have choices and are making informed decisions on being independent, on signing with majors and are doing the right deals for them. I want to make sure that that there's opportunity for people to secure finance around their music. And then my own personal objectives with my, my own talent is to make sure that they're, they're just blowing up and doing amazing work, <laughs> which they're doing anyway. <laughs> what are you often heard saying? I'm unstoppable. <laughs> What's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? Be unstoppable. And what's on your playlist at the moment? There's a new record by Jay-Z and Nas on the DJ Khaled album. I can't stop listening to it just because of how clever it is. Unstoppable you... there too, right? <laughs> yeah, it's unstoppable. It's um, What happens, the reason I like this record is because it's full of double entendres. Oh, right. And... When you listen to the record on the surface level, because it's funny because I saw loads of journalists go, oh, they're, they're just talking about investment and money. And I'm like, yeah, they are. But they're also talking about a lot of deep stuff. And if you listen to it and you understand the culture, there's actually a lot of double entendres and triple entendres and all kinds of stuff going on where they're really empowering the listener to go, you know what, you can come from the most poor background and you can end up in the boardroom running your company doing billion pound deals with whoever and that's ultimately what that song is about so yeah it's about being um it's about being unstoppable (laughs) the song's called sorry not sorry outside of that i'm listening to like aj tracy i'm listening to dave aj tracy's new album is incredible dave's they just dropped a couple of singles, which I think are really, really good as well. Music right now is really, it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. 
Ben, it has been a blast talking to you and truly inspiring to learn about your vision and actual efforts to make the music industry one of the most exciting professions in the world, a truly inclusive place to work in. Once again, thank you for joining us at Impala's 20 Minutes With. Thank you for having me.